today's episode deals with sexual assault and may not be suitable for all listeners. The show notes will minute mark the beginning of this topic. Please take care when listening. The views and opinions expressed in the Hide and Seek podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views, positions, or opinions of the host or contributors. Hey everyone, this is Sarah. Most of you know me from the Hide and Seek podcast discussion group on Facebook. Do you enjoy the Hide and Seek podcast? Would you like to show your support? Head over to Apple iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and follow us so you never miss an episode. You can interact with us as well as share your thoughts, ideas, and theories on this season's episodes by joining the Hide and Seek podcast discussion group. Find us by searching Hide and Seek podcast discussion group on Facebook. The following podcast may contain strong language and is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Sweet dreams are made of this. 24-hour news aides Brady Gillum went to Sturgis tonight to speak with the missing woman's mother about what may have happened to her daughter. I can tell you where she most likely is. I hadn't seen anybody that I felt comfortable saying anything to until today. The stories they tell are pretty fucked. They're pretty freaking gruesome. I kept all the text messages, Facebook messages, the messages between me and Brittany. I have all of them. I have everything. I told him, I said, I'll kill all them motherfuckers. And I was going to have my people fucking take care of it. I'll just say Brittany's name out of nowhere just to see what somebody says. Because this little town around here would be hard to hide something like that. Because eventually everything comes out. To me, some days I don't believe anything happened to her. I think she just left. This is Hide and Seek, Season 3. I'm your host, James Basinger. Hey guys. Sarah and I heard you loud and clear. We understand the audio in the last episode was difficult to understand. Many of these interviews are raw, and while I do my best with the audio, sometimes there's only so much that can be done. We make the choice to include the original audio because we feel it's important for listeners to hear information straight from the source, rather than having it repeated. Today, We'll do a deep dive full recap of Jessica's and Valerie's interviews, hitting on all the highlights you may have missed. Thanks for your patience. Now, let's move on to the episode. Last week, you heard from Jessica. Jessica met me at a coffee shop where we sat down to discuss more about Brittany and how things have been since my last visit. Jessica tells me Brittany had some money in her account. She says even though she bounced around from job to job, she always worked. Jessica says she thinks Pocket is telling the truth. When he told me that, he felt Ashley was jealous because she thought he and Brittany were sleeping together. She also tells me that Pocket told her that the night before she went missing, Brittany called him bawling. He says Brittany was with Ashley and Eric and begged him to come pick her up. At which point, Ashley took the phone from her and said, she'll be fine. Jessica tells me this story came straight from pocket. She also says this incident was a repeat of an incident that happened two weeks prior. This story poses a couple of issues for us. First, We know that Pocket was taken into custody on November 29th, so the date wouldn't work in this scenario unless it took place prior to Pocket being picked up. Not probable. Second, if this incident was a repeat and had happened two weeks prior as well, why would Brittany put herself in the same situation? Jessica says Brittany had divorce papers ready to fill out for years, but she didn't do it. Why? Jessica thinks Brittany liked the title. She says Brittany wasn't the type that would live by herself. 
she needed someone to help her out. Between everything Brittany and Eric had been through together and the kids, Jessica felt as though Eric was a security blanket for Brittany. We discussed Jessica turning in Brittany's notebooks to the sheriff's department the night she retrieved them from Sheldon. After sitting at the sheriff's department for two hours to make sure that the notebooks went to the right person, Jessica asked Eric to meet her on her way back through. He arrives with Ashley. Eric is the only one to exit the vehicle and approach Jessica's car window. He tells her that Brittany and he had been working on things. He repeats this to her more than once, according to her. She tells me he seems out of it, strung out. Ashley never approaches Jessica that night. They don't share with Jessica the passwords for Brittany's accounts they got the night before. Why not? Ashley accused Jessica and her boyfriend Brandon, a.k.a. Loco, of threatening her, as well as accessing Brittany's Facebook account. Jessica addresses both of these accusations and says her and Loco do their best to stay away from Ashley and is adamant she has never accessed or attempted to access Brittany's account because she was confident that the police would be able to locate her once they had the notebooks. Jessica goes on to tell me that a couple years prior, she had printed out divorce papers for Brittany at her request, but Brittany had never taken the initiative to fill them out and file them. However, just prior to November 30th, Brittany finally filled out the paperwork. And to be clear, she didn't file it, but she had it filled out. I bring up Cage and Sheldon to Jessica. Why would Eric be upset about Brittany filling out divorce paperwork when Eric was aware that she was dating and moving in with Sheldon and had previously dated Cage? On the other side of the coin, why would Brittany be upset that Eric was seeing Ashley if she was dating and living with another man? Is this a woman code issue? Was she upset that Ashley was now with her husband? Jessica says Brittany and Cage broke up and Cage moves to Florida, but still pays her phone bill from Florida. Brenda tells Jessica that Brittany had been very attentive to Zach B. Brenda believes this is who Brittany ultimately wanted to be with. She says Brittany was sending care packages and forking out money to take care of him. Next, I asked Jessica about Kim. If you recall, I had been attempting to get in touch with her to meet up prior to her meeting with Jessica. Jessica tells me that Kim and JJF have a child together. I was unaware of that at this point. She also says Valerie and Kim were friends, but that relationship is now non-existent. We move on to addressing the voice messages left for Jessica on the night Brittany disappeared. Jessica tells me she addresses this with Ashley and invites her to contact Branch County to inquire about the police report she filed against Leonard, the man who left those voice messages. I felt like this was a good time to wrap up the interview with Jessica and get moving. Since I still hadn't heard from Kim, we head over to Valerie's house. Valerie's interview began with a few simple questions. How did you get involved with the case? And did you ever meet Brittany? Valerie says she doesn't want to say exactly how she got involved, but what she does say is that she picked apart the ring video of the gas theft and says her son was in care of the same foster home that Brittany's children were in. She says she met Brittany once, but wasn't aware it was her until much later when she spoke with Jessica. Valerie says she didn't really know any of the people involved until Brittany disappeared. She tells me that her and her boyfriend Chet went to a pool league. This is where they met Ashley. Ashley shared with Valerie her theories and thoughts on Brittany's case, and they became friends. Eventually, Ashley ends up moving in with Valerie and Chet. Valerie says Ashley lived with them about a month. When Chet interrupts to say Ashley got herself into trouble and had to go, Chet is open about having concerns with Ashley living with them. 
He said she was barking up the wrong tree, making accusations about a lot of people. Chet explained that he told Ashley she had to be careful doing that because she'd get herself in trouble. Valerie says Ashley had over 200 names, social security numbers, birth dates, and other personal information. This was obviously concerning for Valerie and Chet. I asked Valerie about Eric S. She says he's been to her home to help her identify phone numbers and other information. She said he was helpful and she had no issues with him. She relays to me a theory of Eric's. His theory, at that time, centered around a place he called the Black Hole. This is a portion of a river where Eric says the depth goes from relatively shallow to very deep. He says 20 feet. He says that's where he believed Brittany's remains would be found. I'm unsure of why or how he came up with this theory, other than a friend of his told him about this. Valerie continues on and tells me that Ashley had shared Eric's Google account with her. So this means Ashley has now shared his Google account with Valerie, Jim Rockford, the PI, Jessica, and myself. Our discussion rolls around to a screenshot of what appears to be several days of transactions from Brittany's bank account. I skim over the dates. I see a few transactions before she disappears. I see a transaction on December 2nd for $20 at the Marathon gas station near Walmart in Sturgis and one for $10.99 on December 16th for Netflix. Valerie says this charge for Netflix was an initial charge for starting the account, but I don't see that information. I see a charge that appears to be a reoccurring monthly charge for the subscription. Now, the gas charge, that one interests me. Was this purchase made on December 2nd, or did it just post on Sunday, December 2nd? Lastly, I address Cage's accusations with Valerie. I tell her Cage told me that Brittany's phone and debit card were at her house. Valerie seems surprised at this. She says this is the first time she's ever heard this. Valerie repeats this to Chet. His reaction is also surprised, and they both agree. The phone and the debit card are not at their house. I wrap up my visit with Val and Chet. I check my phone, and since there's still no word from Kim, I can't waste any more time. I move on with my next plan. I send a text off to a woman Kaner set me up with. It's time. Kristen answers me, and she's prepared to meet tonight. We're headed back to drop Jessica off at the coffee shop where she left her car earlier when my phone rings. Hello? This is? Oh, good, good. How are you doing, Mike? Uh, I got a minute. I had um, uh, sent an email out this morning to your... Um, I can't remember her name now. Sorry about Sorry, that. Sorry, Joe. Am I? Yes. Yes. Uh, about the the weather window Um, I know you're here in Michigan now Um, she said you're going to be at the site in White Pigeon um, between 1 and 1.30 tomorrow or uh, around there, is that right? We're going to, yeah, I was actually going to check with you, I just got done with the interview Um, does a little bit later work with your schedule at all? Um, It it does but as we get towards 5, 6 o'clock, that's when we're having problems with weather Okay. It's supposed to start raining. Okay. So Here's the earlier the better. Okay. Um, does 3 o'clock work? I, I think that would be enough time, yeah. Okay. Yep, I think we can make that work. Okay. Let's do 3 o'clock uh, tomorrow. Did she give you the address? Uh, yeah, I have the address from the um, okay. uh, release of liability yep. form. Yep. Is that the same one? Okay. Yep. Okay, sounds good. And it's not a very big area she was talking about, right? No. I, I haven't got any specifics, but... Okay. No, the property owners will be there so they can kind of give us exact landmarks of, like, where the house was at and, the, you know, okay. the sketch of the house and whatnot. And um, so there's just the house, and then there was one section I was going to have the property owner take me out to the... Ver- it's kind of south of the property. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's not a large house area, that which is what we're focusing on. Okay. Okay. 
Sounds good. Awesome. Well, keep in mind, or just keep an eye, or I'll keep an eye on the hourly forecast tomorrow. I will. And if anything changes, I'll let you know, or, or let's touch base. But yeah. we'll find I'm being there at 3 o'clock and ready to go. I appreciate you. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, James. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Boom. All right, so I need to figure out Eric. You might want to push for two out there because that, that little area. Push for what? Two. Two what? Two o'clock. Well, the problem, what, I'm, what I'm figuring right now is mm -hmm. my conversation with Ashley, if there's a polygraph test, and then you coming over afterwards, and then there being a polygraph test. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to make sure I can get it there and then be at the White Pigeon, or where Don Hill's house is at, um, by 3. So starting at 8. Um, I might need to just jump into it with Ashley and then figure out how to get her to take the test. If she's willing to take the test, then if I get crunched for time, then I'm just going to get to the point like say, hey, I, I, need, I need to do this so I can clear your name. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I, it's going to continue to have suspicion. I need to do, like, I'm having Jessica do it. <clears throat> I'll say if you tell her that I'm doing it, that she would have. That's part of my plea. Is you know, you, yeah. you, what, do you, what would you say if Jessica were to take it? And she's like great I, I, that would be great now they're not admissible in court but i would it would mean something because she's going to what are, we, are you willing to take it that's what i'm going to ask her yeah if she's willing. yeah except bringing um, me in you know using me on that, on that one she's she'll definitely take it i mean i i would think that i think she thinks she's smarter than mm -hmm. you know that mm -hmm. anyway so she, mm -hmm. yeah go do your mm -hmm. thing and yeah just give, give me some information yeah tomorrow <laughs> tomorrow um if you can be ready like, because he's gonna get there at ten thirty tomorrow. The, I I have I have the vehicle. She's, okay. she's let me. I she's gonna. I can. I'm renting it today and tomorrow. Okay. She's gonna let me. So, so if you wanted to shoot me the address, I'm gonna send you it right now. Where do you? What time do you want me to be there? Um, this is where it's gonna have you. I'm gonna have you be somewhat on standby because if Ashley says no, I'm not doing it, and she bolts. Then I'm gonna right call now, you yeah. right now. Okay. If she's okay. doing it, I'll let you know. Hey, it's gonna be in about another hour or half. Be ready around this time. And you said she she's gonna be there at eight, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Cool. Um. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Be on standby. I'll let you know how tonight goes. I might give you a call just to take advantage. Plans are set. Ashley will arrive around eight a.m. The polygrapher will arrive at 10.30 a.m. This will give me two and a half hours to go over some things with Ashley and let her know that Jessica is fully prepared to take a polygraph. I'm hoping this news will motivate Ashley enough to agree to do the same. Later tomorrow, I'll meet Mike at Don Hill's property. You heard him though. Nothing is solid until we get there. See the property? Engage the weather. From this point on, the recounting of a sexual assault incident will be heard. If you're sensitive to this topic, please fast forward the rest of this episode. We meet Kristen and Dale at a local restaurant, Wings, etc. I choose a table in the corner, away from as many people as possible. Not just for the noise factor, but because I didn't want Kristen to feel like she was on display while sharing her story. Not long after we arrive, Kristen and Dale are walking towards us. Dale is heavily tattooed. He has a shaved head, and he looks like someone who isn't easily intimidated. Kristen has a few facial piercings. She seems a little anxious, but I expected that. This can't be easy for her. I immediately notice that Dale seems closed off. His body language is telling me it might be challenging to get him to open up. I can understand how this may be difficult for Dale to hear Kristen discuss the events of that night. 
Okay. So here's, I, I'll tell you what I'll do. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you everything I know. I'm here to find the truth. Right. Even, if it, tell you even if it means it's hard questions. Like, I'll tell you what I think. You know what right. I mean? We can go to those uncomfortable places, but we have to have this conversation. Right. And that means all that also clears names too. I'm fully aware that what we're about to talk about is a sensitive topic. I make sure that Kristen has no reservations. I ask Kristen one more time if she's sure she wants to go on record. And if that's something between us privately, we want to take off record, like I can shut it down. We can have that conversation no. privately if you want to. Out of respect for you, if that's no, true. Okay. That's fine. Um, I, I, I decided in the beginning of this that as sucky as it is, like, I mean, if it is connected to it, then it's not just us two. So, I mean, if I don't, there might be something I say or something I, you know, whatever, that's going to help the whole situation. So I'd rather do that than, than just leave it like it is. Um. Kristen has made a conscious decision to speak out about her experience. She refuses to be silent. Kristen is well aware if this happened to her, it certainly could have happened to Brittany. She's made a choice to take a stand. She's made a choice to speak out. Before we move into Kristen's interview, let's take a look at Carl Kelly. You heard Zach Keener share what he's heard about the activity that was happening at Carl's house. He says he heard more than six women had been raped there. As for Carl Kelly's house, Ashley shared with the PI Jim Rockford I had the pleasure of an encounter with a woman who escaped the rape house, and before the car door shut, I heard her say to my friend, I heard one girl was raped to death. At least I didn't get it as bad as her. If these stories are accurate, what the fuck is going on in that house? And why wasn't anything done about it? I loved Carl. Years ago, I, I, he was my favorite person to hang out with because even though he was gay, that was the best part, really, because he was like a friend. You know, there was no other stuff. You know what I'm saying? He legitimately could hang out with you, and he, I mean, he was hunting for what I was hunting for. <laughs> so it, it made it a lot easier. But I loved him to death. And then he went to prison for seven years. And I met him, and uh, I loved him to death. And Carl used to supposedly take um, girls around here, I guess, that wanted to go to, they used to call it the Mexican's house, okay? Uh, it was um, like a house that a bunch of the, the um, uh, migrant workers, they, mm-hmm. like during the summertime, it's mm-hmm. a serious thing right here. Yeah. Uh, I got a message on Facebook and it was Carl. And like, it didn't even look like him. Like he has tattoos all over his neck and you know, it'd be crazy. It was yeah. not him. So uh, he changed. Uh, I don't know why or what happened. Um, I do know that I feel like he had something to do with me because everybody's like, you can't just blame him because you were at at his house. I'm like, I don't. I don't at all, okay? But what I do is I'm I'm mad at the two girls that were there with me because when asked in the morning, how did I get in there? Like, what? How did that come about? You just give me the dumbest look ever and like like you're not gonna tell me? Like, how? You were sitting right here. How could you not tell me what 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 happened or who if anybody went in there with me or anything? You know what I mean? And nobody would say anything. So then there was two guys there that were really upset about the whole situation because I'm like now loud and obnoxious and being a total jerk. And this Brandon kid is like nervous as all get out and he's like running back and forth in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're you said you guys go close to ten thirty, right? Yeah, yeah. What time's kitchen close? Like I said before. The setting isn't always optimal, but this is the life of a podcaster when in Sturgis, Michigan. I make sure the waiter knows we'll be talking for a bit, and when we're ready for him, I'll flag him down. When, when, when is this happening? What time of the year and what year is this? Okay, this is like a month, literally, before Brittany. Oh, we're 2018, so yes. then we're in September, literally, October, or October? Yep, literally like, a, I think it's a month, or like... Yeah, I think it's like almost a month before before Brittany, maybe three weeks. Carl Kelly is a house that you're going to, mm-hmm. and it's a place that you regularly visit. Um, well, no, because Carl had just gotten out of prison. After being in for seven years. Right, and he got um, his apartment, and he'd only been out for like, I don't know, maybe a month or two. 
I've been over there quite a few times. Um, I've never stayed the night, but then when um, when uh, my boyfriend kicked me out, when uh, he kicked me out at the time, um, I didn't know where to go. It was the middle of the night, so Carl, you know, tells me to come over there. So that's what I did. And so, uh, yeah, and he he wasn't even there at the time. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now, back in the day, they used to say that Carl used to take girls from around here and um, take them to the Mexican house, and basically. They would they would sleep do their thing sleep with him get paid whatever rob him I don't even know what they don't do but anyways um, and basically he must have gave these girls drugs or I don't know money I'm sure some of it so that's kind of what I where when this came into play that it like made my heart skip a beat because I was told later on that supposedly uh there was a theory that carl was basically uh back in business and that um but instead of willing participants that he was basically like okay so you guys are all sitting down to eat uh you were him tell carl hey like i really want to sleep with so and so blah 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 and basically then he makes you willingly go see um and immediately my son, my heart sank. I thought, oh my God, no. Because I did have something to drink. I, I had a cherry Pepsi, a uh, 20 ouncer. Uh, did I keep it right next to me? No, I didn't think I had to. Uh, did I, you know what I mean? So I, I was playing over my head, like how this, I lost like 14 hours of my life, okay? I didn't pee for 13, 14 hours. I didn't wake up. I didn't, you wake up in the middle of the night and toss and turn because you're uncomfortable because mm -hmm. you're hot because anything, nothing. Literally. And where are you at when you wake up? In the closet. I'm laying down. There's a pillow. There's a blanket. Okay. Um, so, uh, my pants are... My, my jeans are pulled off of me, but they're, my feet are still in them, so if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, that's what makes me... I'm tangled up. I can't, I can't grab. I can't figure it out. And so I, that's where I start looking. And then, and then I realize this weird kid is next to me that we and him have already had words because he was taking pictures of me when I didn't know about it. Who's this kid? Brandon. Brandon. Uh, yeah. So he's a little creep kid yeah. and um, he is way younger than me and... Um, before you had the cherry drink, you didn't have to worry about your drink really at all, right? Being over no. at... Were you drinking alcohol at all? Were you smoking? No. Were you taking no. anything? No. I mean, I mean, yeah, we, we had done we had done meth because we'd been okay. high. All of us had. Okay. Now, who's all there, actually? Who's present? It's Erin and um, I don't know her name. I could try to find out for you. Um, way younger than me. She's, like, in her 20s or whatever. And, like, uh, I remember part of the night, uh, a little bit before, um, I'm sitting on, I'm leaning on this bed, which is taller, like, as tall as this table over here. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, I'm basically leaning on it, like, on my stomach, mm -hmm. and feet are flat on the floor, talking to Aaron, and that's the last thing I remember, okay? 14 hours later, I wake up, and I'm in a closet. When I'm tripping, like, Brandon's scrambling around to get away from me. And, um, I'm sure I wasn't very nice. And, um, he looked like a deer caught in the headlights, really. Okay, um, and because not only did I not remember, and that's what was bothering me, but I already made it perfectly clear to him, to Carl, to anybody that was there that day, like, he's a whole creep. He's taking pictures of me when I don't even know it. Like, I don't want anyone around me, you know? I, when was he taking pictures of you? Uh, like, probably two or three days before that. Before this incident? Uh-huh. Okay. And he basically, he had left his phone in my car. Um, I found it. When I picked up the phone, the light turned on, and I was the front screen. The lock screen? Yes. He doesn't even know me like that. Listen, I picked it up under underneath my my seat, okay? And I picked it up like this, and as I'm grabbing it, I'm trying to grab that one and my phone in my hand, and I push the button or shake it or whatever yeah, the hell we gotta do. It and it, the light comes on, and it's it's a picture of me on my uh, from Facebook, and I'm like, oh no. So immediately I look, of course it's not locked. I'm like, so I go look at the gallery, like I know I gotta know. You don't just have one picture, like I gotta know. When I'm telling you all he's weird to me, it's because part of me I think knows he's taking he's doing something, okay? Because he's like I don't know, he's like hiding, but he acted like he acted like he was like, um I don't know, almost trying to flirt horribly, but but and I was just ignoring it because I'd already spoken my yeah, I don't yeah. want anything to do with it. Um and then I pick up this phone and it's got a picture of me from Facebook and I'm like, oh, that's creepy. So I slide it off there and I go to the gallery and there's like 
20 pictures of me from Facebook. <laughs> and then another, I don't even know how many were like, he's sitting over there, I'm sitting over here talking to you. Mm-hmm. And so sense. he's got pictures where I'm like, my mouth's open because I'm not trying to take pictures, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, that's why he treated me out so bad because I knew that somehow. Yeah. So I, I go up there and like right in front of him and this was a couple days prior and I'm like tripping. I'm like, listen, you need to you need to handle this because I've already made my spike and if you want me to handle it, he's um, nobody's going to like it. So Carl's like, I got it, I got it, I got it. So they go off and talk. I don't know what was said. I don't really care. And he pretty much stays out of my way for the next couple of days as far as I know. Uh, then, like I said, I, I went to, I guess apparently I went in there and went to sleep. That's Nobody it. can tell me who went in there with me. Nobody can tell me if I went by myself. Nobody can tell me anything. Who told you that you went to sleep and where did they tell you went to sleep? Um, well, nobody, really. I woke up in the bedroom, in the, in the, in the closet, and I was asleep, obviously, yeah. but I don't know how I got there. Basically, what it is is my, I have leggings, jeans, and, and underwear on. Oh. Um, now, I know as well as everybody else knows, it's not easy to dress another person. Right. They okay? seem like they were trying to. Oh, yeah, because my underwear were, like, underneath my butt cheeks, but they were up, okay, uh-huh. if that makes sense. My leggings were up but not like where they should like perfect you know what I mean um and um my jeans were pulled inside out but my feet were still in them and that's how I woke up okay so basically they had pulled my underwear and my um my leggings up at the same time yeah and 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 just called it good um I'm not sure why you then leave my jeans like that, but whatever. Sure. I'm like, what time is it? Like, what? If I yeah. figure out what time it is, and I'm like, wait a minute. We were waiting for Carl last night. It was, uh, it was like 10:30, 11 o'clock. You know I mean, I'm like, okay. And it, it, it's like one, two o'clock in the afternoon. I haven't moved. Well, now when I'm freaking out, everybody now realizes they're way all waking up because I'm hollering and yelling and whatever. Now what happened? What happened? So I'm. I'm hysterically yelling, you know, whatever. I'm like, this is how I woke up, and they're like, what? Like, that's fucked up. So they're Where's both. Brandon? Now he's out in the other room, as far as I know. Okay, I'm in the, I'm in the bedroom now yeah. with these guys, and I'm telling them what's going on. And uh, he beelined right out uh, into the the like living room or, or dining room or whatever. And I don't know what he was doing because I wasn't out there, but um, I assume getting his stuff around. The reason that um, made me so my heart sink about Carl is because I felt like at the time that he wasn't upset at all. Now, if you're my friend and this happened to you in my closet, I'm gonna be hysterical. And if the person's at my house, I'm gonna stop them from leaving. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I felt like he snuck him out the, the back door, really? basically, because uh, the two guys, well, where is he? Let's, you know, let's, you know, they were like, I don't know what they were going to do, but I'm assuming nothing nice. But um, they go out into the dining room, and Carl's like, oh, he's, he just left. You know what I mean? I'm like, I said, why would you let him leave? Do you, did you not hear what I just said to you? And he's like, Kristen, I think maybe you're just overreacting. No, motherfucker, I'm not overreacting. Like, when I went to bed, I wouldn't even go to bed. I was on the bed talking yeah, to Aaron. Yeah. And here we are. Like, No. And I was like, he's like, well, maybe nothing happened. Then, okay, so then people just took my pants off and arranged them funny for right. fun? Well, I have, I have a question. You can tell. Five hours after this happened, six hours, um, I'm like in a, like a, I don't even know, like a day. Like, I mean, I'm I'm walking, I'm, I'm going where everybody else is going. I think we went over to like the uh, Maple Towers and I think we walked over to, I don't know, somewhere else. And I don't even remember because I was like... I remember people have asked me like, "Are you okay? Like, are you, are you gonna talk? Are you?" Gonna? I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm okay." They, I was running through my head like, trying to get myself yeah. to remember something, and I couldn't remember anything, and that scared me more than, you know what I mean? And then I was like, maybe I don't want to know, right. because people have said like, I'm too easy and open with it, but I don't know what happened. I don't right. remember. That's, That's the helpful part. Uh, I I know what happened because I'm not yeah. dumb, and I know I know what I know. But I don't remember anything, right. so it's kind of like a win-win for me. Yeah, in a way. yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. If I it was gonna happen, it's the best way to have happened because. Right. But I, I spent I remember like the next five or six hours, like literally racking my brain, like trying to think, and then I'm like, wait a minute. So I'm like, Carl, when did you get there? Kristen shares with me the name of the person she believes is responsible for her sexual assault. She tells me his name is Brandon. 
She continues on to tell me about the night she was assaulted. She was at Carl's house. She'd been to his several times, but had never stayed the night before. According to her, she had a 20-ounce Pepsi, but didn't keep a close eye on it. Again, she had been here before and had no reason to think she needed to protect her beverage. Days before this incident, Kristen says she felt weirded out by Brandon. When Kristen and a group of people are hanging out at Carl's house, she noticed Brandon directing unwanted attention at her. Later on the same night, Kristen notices Brandon's lock screen on his phone is a picture of her. She advises Carl that he handle it. Carl speaks with Brandon. Brandon distances himself from Kristen for a couple of days. The night of the incident, Kristen's last recollections is leaning on a bed with her stomach against the mattress. 14 hours later, she wakes up next to Brandon in a closet. His look, she says, is like a deer caught in headlights. It's at this point, Kristen begins to realize the state she's in and sees her clothes in dismay. Brandon quickly exits the closet. Kristen explains what happened to two men who enter the room. They look for Brandon, but by this time, he's already left. Kristen doesn't remember the incident. She says this is both the scariest part and a blessing in disguise. Because Kristen doesn't recall the incident, I ask her what she's heard about the night this happened. Um, okay, so at first I, 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 got, uh, I got told that um, without Carl being involved, that it was, um, I don't know, I think it was less and a couple other people, which I know very... Was less there the next morning? He mm-hmm. was there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so who told you it was less? So not, not, that he, not that he did it, but the supposedly he's like the ringleader of this little... It's supposedly the, the, what, I, what I was told, and I know Brandon woke up there, okay? I was told I wasn't to be touched. I so, wasn't, supposedly that was the thing. I'm like, I'm, I wasn't to be touched. Like, what does that mean? Like, who, who put that out? Who, who? Supposedly, Les Marker is the one that said I wasn't to be touched. Why? Best friend protection. Where's Brandon at today? Um, this is the weird part is after, after this, uh, Carl, I feel Carl sneaks him out the door. He's not upset and he's not, he's not you saying. You ain't leaving until we solve this. Right. And then he's like, he's not upset and he's like more or less saying, oh, maybe I overreacted. Maybe I, uh. You know what I mean? Like making excuses. You're I'm like, fine. Your pants. I, I don't remember 14 yeah. hours of my life. Like I don't. That's not overreacting. But okay. Even even if Les said, "Hey, you're untouchable," do you feel that with Brandon's infatuation with you, he was willing to cross that line and say, "Yeah." Okay. Carl's infatuation with Brandon. What? Or Carl's infatuation. Or Carl's infatuation with Brandon. So everybody there. That's the first person I told. Jack is? Yeah, because I picked him up five, six, seven o'clock in the afternoon um, or evening. Uh, Zach wanted a ride, and I said, I don't have a whole lot of gas in my car. He's like, well, I'll put gas in it. So I went and picked him up, uh, and we went to Speedway, and, and like I said, we, we, we went to school for a long time together. And uh, he's like, hey, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I'm good. And he's like, you know, something's wrong. He's like, Chris, what's wrong? Are you all right? And I couldn't even, I couldn't even tell him without bowing. And he's like... Are you serious? He's like, Kristen, listen, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta tell somebody. And I'm like, who? Tell him what? I don't remember anything. You know, like that was the hardest part of that because everybody kept telling me you should go tell. Oh, who am I gonna go tell? Okay, so what's gonna happen? So I'm gonna go to the police and I'm gonna tell them that this is how I woke up and this is what it was and everything I'm telling you. And um, then he's gonna say, okay, so how do you know? But then I, I was trying to remember like anything Mm -hmm. i was trying to remember it waking up or rolling over or how i got to the bedroom or you know the last thing that i seen the last thing i Mm -hmm. I remember um and i couldn't come up with anything and i think that was freaking me out even more because i've never lost and if i've ever lost time it was 20 minutes or or i got sidetracked you know or something never have i lost 14 hours of my life Mm -hmm. so there's two girls there that are there have you ever confronted this uh well i did when i when i when i woke up because they were both there uh, they didn't. Uh, well, Erin did say. She said, "I don't know. I don't know how you got in there." And I said, "How do you know?" She. I said, "How? What do you mean you don't know?" And she said, "You were here. You were sitting in this room with me. That's the last thing I remember." And she said, 
Kristen, she said, I, I, I left. Apparently she was, uh, she went to go meet Eric. Eric who? Her little boyfriend oh. or whatever that she fights with and whatever. How did you get the cherry Pepsi? Oh, I bought it at the, the, the gas, gas station, station. yeah. Right. The I'm only- trying, what I'm trying to figure out is this, is what was the cause? We all, okay, we, when we all did math, we all smoked it together. So, so if I would have been messed up, everybody would have been messed yeah. up. You know what I mean? Um, but Carl and, and, and Herman were gone um, by this time. Um, <clears throat> So there was there was quite a few people that could have done it, you know what I'm saying? But like I said, I didn't keep it with me or watch it, so I didn't, you know, I mean, who knows, you know? I mean, it was just sitting on the, on the table in the, in the living room, and we're up moving around the house. So, I mean, and I never thought I had to worry about that before. You leave, Zach's like, what's the deal? I feel like uh, something's off. I, 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 well, I leave and I go get Zach. Um, he basically knows something's wrong with me. Uh, I was just looking at him. Or, yeah. I tell him, I tell him what's wrong. Um, and he then he proceeds to tell me that there's like six, five or six, six other girls. Um, uh, he said, he had told me, I think at one point, Lucy was one of them mm-hmm. and me and, um, whether it did it really happen to her or whether it's another spinoff or whether right, I don't right. I have no idea okay. because there's a whole lot of stuff with her too because I don't know it was all mixed in with the Chuck Allen thing and uh, do you know Chuck Allen Dip? You, yeah. do you talk to him still I mean uh, if I see him in passing you know what I mean mm-hmm. I mean he's not somebody I hang out with and never have you know what I mean like, I met him in jail I met him in jail okay I think that's a whole, that's a whole, that's a whole fabricated though. Yeah, I, 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 I talked to him once. We texted a couple, or one night. But do you know what's weird? Like, the week that this happened to me, the first time I'd seen Chuck Allen in, I don't even know how long, he was at Carl's. Oh, he was. You there. think that's her in the car? Yeah, I know it's her in the car. In what car? In Sheldon's car. In what? In yeah. Sheldon's car. Shows. The one with Chuck Allen, the video with Chuck no. Allen. Oh, you seen the video? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. And I don't want, like, here's the thing. I don't want to hear any more about how it was edited, it was fabricated. I don't have any this, it was that. Listen, it's a ring camera. It's a footage of someone stealing gas. There's two of them. There's two of them. Two cars? Yes. Two, two what? That's the same exact one. I know he has one, and I was told where it's at. Chuck's name makes its way into the conversation. You can tell by my reaction that I've had just about enough of the conspiracy theories about this video. The outlandish perpetuance that the video was heavily edited, that law enforcement had the wrong vehicle, or that Ashley is actually the figure in the video as a waste of our time, and I don't want to keep being dragged down the same rabbit holes. We feel strongly that law enforcement followed procedure and made sure that they had the correct vehicle based on the VIN and registration. Dale begins to explain to me that not long after Brittany disappeared, Ashley contacted him. I find myself putting pieces together right on the spot. I can't quite figure out how these pieces fit together, but something about this story feels like it could be relevant. Ashley had hit me up on my Facebook talking about uh, she needed to, I don't know, I still got the messages that I can find um, basically saying that she's Pocket's girlfriend, uh, he's in jail, uh, like she wanted, she's just talking about this, that, and other. So I'm like, all right, and uh, we ended up talking on the phone for a while. Um, I'm kind of in a stuck situation. I, I went to Illinois at the time because I, with, my, with my mom, and I was kind of in a stuck situation. Well, she's like, I'm gonna come get you. Uh, you know, I, she's like, I'll come down and pick you up and I'm gonna be back. So I was like, all right. So she goes down there and then she tells me that John Fox is the one driving down there. JJ Fox is the one driving. Like, with him. JJ and her take me to all these crazy, like the, the, the Scots, uh, Scots and Farmers of Road. How long have you known Ashley for? 2018. You met her the year that Britt was missing? Because yeah, that's what you were saying with him when you met me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, say it again. That's what he was saying with her. her when, uh, Basically, you were staying with Ashley. Yeah, we were together for like about about six weeks. Maybe. Um, I believe really just stayed because. If you uh, read their text messages, who's theirs? His and Ashley. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you got a plane. When did that happen? I think it was that date. Um, 
You, I had no idea you were with Ashley in 2018, and you were also watching Ashley's dog. Right? Well, that's because he brought Ashley's dog. When did you date Ashley? 18, it was 18. It was 18, but what, like, what, what's on the wait, 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 Maybe, maybe, maybe it was January. Hold on, I want to tell you something. I gotta know specifically, and I'm telling you why this is important to me because when you went to Ash's house, when did you start going and did you see Eric there? Eric. Shane. No. So when did you start going? Right after all that. Right after all what? Right after Eric Shane was around there. But you seen Ashley before that? No, she hit me up. I'm gonna, I'll show you right. She totally hit me up out of the blue, out of the sky. Uh, yeah, show me the missing music. Let's just be frank, okay? Let's just be frank. You know how they have those posts on Facebook where they say, okay, everybody, it's tax season, so get yourself a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever because you got a warm place to sleep in the wintertime. I mean, that's basically what their relationship was. Okay. I mean, to him. You can tell. You can tell in, in everything he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, more, I'm more focused on the dates. Were you at those apartments across the from gas station? Yes. yes. At the end of it, when she lost Village Manor. When she lost Village Manor. So you were, you were hanging out there? Or were she, that was her apartment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, whether it was you guys talking, kind of getting into that point, like... Well, no, it wasn't no point. I, listen, she came to Illinois, picked me up, and I went to the hospital. Okay, all right. Um, maybe... Take a look at that real quick. It would have been May. It would have been May, and then... I excused myself to use the restroom. And when I return, Dale has his conversations with Ashley pulled up. He hands me his phone. So, you don't know me, but I, I played a guy messaging you doesn't backfire in my face and land me right in my grave. I know you and my whatever he is right now, Curtis Polly, aren't each other's favorite person. Please don't judge me by that. You you know my Larry Bear too, Larry Croucher. I, I keep all the messages. That's how I remember. That's how I, that's how I remember. Or pictures. Certain things that pictures. happen, events in my life and stuff. So you, so this is 2018. This is the no, first. No, I said January 2019. I was wrong. Or I, 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 January 2019. Somewhere right there. Anyway, that's that's where it started. And there doesn't seem to be anything of interest. And I hand Dale his phone back. I thank them for meeting with me. And I thank Kristen for being so candid and open. I appreciate her sharing. And I leave with the hope that she's able to continue to heal from this experience. I turn my attention to Ashley. She's supposed to meet me tomorrow. But she tells me she's concerned with my intentions. And tells me... I'm running off rumors and chasing stories rather than getting to the bottom of things. She wants to know what she's supposed to think about me and what I'm doing. Rumors and stories, huh? Should I take this statement as an admission that what you've supplied me with is nothing more than rumors and stories? Because... You know, Ashley, most of what I've been chasing is shit that came directly from you. Confront a manipulator about what they did wrong and watch them make it about you. Next time on Hide and Seek. If Mama don't come for the polygraph test, that kind of gives you your answer. <laughs> mm. I sent a video just 
like, you need to hear from you, man. Like, this is not gonna look good. I and I hope that you're safe. I hope you're like you're physically fine. But I need to hear from you. Right. This is not gonna look good. Space. It looks like there's a 40% chance it's going to be raining down there at 3 o'clock. She's the one who's been like, get up here so I can do the damn thing. You know what you've said to me all the time is that there are people after you or there are people coming for you and your, your, your safety is in jeopardy and how no one's there for you and I'm fucking trying to be there for you as a friend. And you're biting from me. Just stop, just stop, just no, 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 no. Okay, but but let me explain my whole process. What I just did was put it on fucking record that you and you, her boyfriend, is any of that true? Because if anything happens, that's where it's at. I have a relationship with them. See, when you have this positive relationship, you can get further by saying, don't fucking do that. Because no one's protected me to this whole thing. Well, then what do you say? I, I'm the first person that's protected you? Yeah. That's how it's supposed to go. <laughs> uh, all right, so... Thanks for listening to today's episode of Hide and Seek. If you'd like to take a more active role in the hide-and-seek community, come interact with us. Share your thoughts, opinions, and theories in the Hide-and-Seek Podcast Discussion Group. Find us by searching Hide-and-Seek Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. The Hide-and-Seek Podcast is hosted, produced, audio-engineered, and directed by James Basinger. Written, edited, and produced by Sarah Joe. Director of Photography and Editing is Ethan Schatz. Our graphic design is created by Jordan Robinson. <laughs>